Welcome to another episode of the Summer Financial Services podcast series by Bird & Bird. I'm Joost van Roosmalen. I'm an associate with the Competition NEU team, and I'm based in The Hague. I work mostly with businesses in the technology and communication sector, or tech and comms as we like to call them. Obviously, they have to deal with complex rules and regulations, both on the European and the national level. I will be hosting today's podcast, and joining me are two experts from our payments group. Scott McInnes, a lawyer from a Brussels office specialized in the payment sector, and Johannes Wiertz, counsel in our finance and financial regulation practice in Frankfurt. Thanks to both of you for joining me today. Before we start, can you both tell us about your experience in the payments industry? Uh, good morning, everybody, and good morning, Joost and Johannes. Indeed, I'm Scott. I'm a lawyer based in the Brussels office of Bird & Bird where I specialize in the payment sector, looking after essentially payments regulatory questions. So things related to PSD2, the EU interchange fee regulation, the SEPA regulation, those kinds of things, but also competitional issues that arise in the payment sector, like, for example, in relation to the topic that we'll be talking about today, the um, NFC antenna. So thanks, Scott. Johannes, would you like to say a bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you, Jules. Well, I'm Johannes. I'm uh, advising German clients and international clients on banking and regulation issue. And yeah, my daily work is focused on all kinds of financial institutions. Um, this includes, of course, payment service providers and e-money institutions. And regulation and digitalization play an important role in, in this work. Regulation on payment service often also concerns those companies which do not regard themselves as payment institutions. So the advice on staying out of regulation plays an important role here. One other topic that also concerns companies which are not payment service institutions is the yeah, regulation on NFC con uh, communication for payments. So the topic we will talk today. Thanks, Johannes. Today we will be discussing the various ongoing streams in Europe surrounding Apple's near-field communication antenna. This is better known as NFCs. We'll talk about European Commission activity in relation to the NFC antenna. We'll talk about Dutch activity on the same topic, and we'll talk about German legislation surrounding this topic. Let's start with Scott. Can you give some background on this and an overview of the situation at the European level? Yeah, sure. Happy to. So indeed, the, the topic of the NFC antenna in general, but in particular in the iPhone, has been, has been discussed for quite a few years, actually. Essentially, what seems to have happened is... Apple has placed essentially a technical lock or technical restriction around the NFC antenna that sits in the, in the iPhone. And the consequence of that technical restriction is that if a card is placed in the Apple Pay wallet on the iPhone, you can then tap that phone on a contactless terminal in a brick and mortar shop, and you'll be able to transact and therefore use your card in a normal contactless way through the Apple Pay wallet that sits on your iPhone. And that will work. That's, that's fine. The issue is that because of that technical restriction, if the card is placed anywhere else on the iPhone in a competing wallet, then the Apple wallet, so let's say the bank wallet, then, then that's simply not going to work because that card is stored, if you like, in the wrong wallet, i.e. the wallet that doesn't have access to the NFC antenna. And therefore, you can tap your iPhone as much as you want on that contactless terminal in the shop. It's simply not going to work. It's raised a lot of... Uh, a lot of attention, a lot of card issuers in particular have been quite upset about this technical restriction. Some of them have alleged that this technical restriction was not at all for security reasons, which is obviously one argument that could come to mind, certainly an argument that Apple will probably raise as part of the, in the investigation they're currently going under, and that I'll talk about in a few minutes. But a lot of issuers have been saying, well, they, they've not done that for essentially security reasons. The reason why they've done that is basically to monetize payments. 
because Apple basically wants to force me to put the cards that issue to my consumers to put those cards in the Apple Pay wallet. And every time that transaction goes through the Apple Pay wallet, Apple is going to charge me as a card issuer. He's going to charge me a fee. And that's how they monetize payments in the way that competing phone manufacturers are not able to do because they've not placed that technical restriction. So if you use an Android phone, a Samsung phone, since that restriction is not there, the card can be stored anywhere. It doesn't have to be in the Google Pay wallet or in the Samsung Pay wallet. And that card is going to work. And therefore, that doesn't give essentially an opportunity to like for Google or for Samsung to charge a fee to that card issuer. That's, that's, that's the theory of harm, if you like. That's some issues I've been pointing out for quite some time. So the European Commission has, been, has decided to look into this topic. So they've opened, a couple of years ago, they've opened an uh, informal, if you like, an informal investigation on grounds of competition law against Apple Pay in general, including the topic of the NFC antenna. And the commission has announced last year, so in June of last year, June 2020, that they were opening a so-called formal a formal investigation against Apple, which means that they were essentially putting, they had decided that based on essentially a preliminary assessment that there was grounds for the commission to invest more time, more resources, more people on the case, because they suspected that indeed something, if you like, wrong under competition law was going on. So the European Commission announced last year, as I said, they were opening a case against Apple Pay, a formal case against Apple Pay. So no doubt they'll be asking questions to Apple around why they placed that restriction on the NFC antenna, which seems to essentially restrict competition. It does not allow competing wallet providers to allow payments to be made through the, the iPhone. So the topics that you can expect as part of that investigation are things around dominance. So does Apple have a form of dominant position as it's called under the competition law? which always requires to define the market, i.e. what is the market that we're talking about? What is the market share that Apple has on that, on that relevant market? And therefore, do they somehow have a dominant position or not? If the commission concludes that they have a dominant position, then the commission would have to establish that Apple has somehow abused that dominant position by placing that technical restriction on the NFC antenna. And that's when you, you would expect Apple to raise arguments such as, essentially security. We've not done it to monetize payments. We've not done it to restrict competition by competing wallet providers. We've done it for security reasons or for other reasons, but certainly not to essentially restrict competition. It's interesting because the question of, again, of the definition of the market is going to be really important because in a lot of countries, if you just look at the, the brand of the phones, if you like, that the consumer have in their wallet or in their pocket, typically Apple doesn't have or does not seem to have a dominant position. I, there are quite a few countries where the market share of iPhones, as opposed to Android phones, Samsung phones is in the range of 15, 20, 25%, max 40% in some countries, which typically is not an indication of a dominant position because another competitor typically has a higher market share than Apple has. So it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the European Commission is going to define the market, potentially define the market as being much narrower than, if you like, the brand of the phone in the consumer's pocket. Maybe there's a market for Apple Pay payments or payments through an iPhone, where at the moment, essentially, Apple would have a 100% market share. So that's going to be no doubt a, a hot topic in that investigation, or it is no doubt a hot topic in that EC investigation. So that's one topic that the commission indicated they're looking at as part of that case. And in the press release of June last year, they also indicated two other topics that they're looking at. Um, and we don't have, obviously, a lot of information on those topics. It's just what's stated in the press release. I can't tell you a lot more about those. But they've mentioned, for example, they're looking at, they say, they're looking at the Apple terms and conditions and other measures for integrating Apple Pay in merchants' apps or websites. What the rumor is about that is that the commission is looking at how 
the consumer journey looks like and whether Apple Pay is essentially given a preference. So you go on the merchant's website to buy something and it's, it, is there a case where that merchant detects that you are using an iPhone or an iPad and therefore by priority or by default, you will be directed to make a payment via Apple Pay. Very simple typically, and you will authenticate via a fingerprint or face ID. But does that somehow remove the page where you're given more options in order to make that payment, such as a page where you can pay with your, your regular Visa card outside the Apple Pay wallet or your regular Mastercard card outside the Apple Pay wallet or through your PayPal wallet and so on and so forth. So that's apparently one topic that the commission is looking at, which is the implementation, if you like. How is Apple Pay implemented into the merchant's website? And if somehow are they given a preference that negatively impacts essentially competing means of payment? And the third topic seems to be related to Apple having apparently refused access to the Apple Pay payment solution to, to some rivals. So competing companies that sell essentially products and services that compete with Apple services apparently have been denied the possibility to allow their customers to pay via Apple Pay. So I'm not sure what examples we're talking about here, but you could imagine, for example, a company that provides essentially a music streaming service that would compete with the Apple Music service that potentially has been denied access to the Apple Pay payment service, or maybe a company that provides essentially space in the clouds to store documents or photos or whatever it may be that competes with the iCloud that may have been denied, for example, access to the Apple payment solution because it's a competitor, allegedly. That's apparently the third topic that the European Commission is looking at. The next logical step would be for the Commission to issue to Apple what is called a statement of objections or an SO, which is basically the charges that the issue will send to Apple, will give them an opportunity to respond to those charges in writing and orally. And then the Commission ultimately will decide on the case and will either decide to issue a negative decision against Apple, saying you've acted in breach of competition law, potentially with a fine, or... Uh, the Commission may decide at some point to drop the case completely if they believe that they're convinced by the arguments of Apple that there's either no dominance or if there's dominance that there's no abuse of that dominant position. So I guess we will see on that one. The timing is not clear, of course, so we could expect to hear from the Commission maybe for them to issue that SO maybe still in the course of this year or potentially in the course of next year. That is not set in stone in terms of the timing, but given the announcement, as I said, of the Commission from June of last, next, last year, June 2020, we should probably expect something from the Commission, at, as I said, at some point this year or probably next year. I think that's it for me, Joost. Thanks. It's very interesting, Al. And, and I can add from my perspective that it's not only the Euro European Commission that's inter interested in this stuff. I mean, on a national level, and I'm talking about my own jurisdiction in the Netherlands, also an investigation into this. And it all started with a market study by our national supervisor into big tech in the payment sector. So it was more broad than only the NFC chip. But as a follow-up on that market study, there was an, an investigation into the access to the NFC antenna. And it started with a, with a press release from the ACM. The ACM is the National Supervisor Authority for Consumers and Markets. And what is kind of confusing is that they are both the, the supervisor for competition law as well as the exchange fee regulation, the IFR. And from the press release, it wasn't very clear what legal basis they, they used to investigate the NFC antenna. And we were writing a blog about this and we're discussing what legal basis they, they would have. Basically, they could choose between or they had two options, which were competition law and the, and the IFR. And... And we were discussing and we thought, well, the competition law is already covered by the European Commission. So basically they can't go, if we follow the, the, the regulation, then they can't, can't follow that part. So they probably chose the IFR as their legal basis to start this investigation into the NFC antenna. 
it was only until they closed the investigation, because a few months later they decided to close the investigation without any kind of legal consequences. Uh, it was only then that we found out that they used uh, the IFR as a legal basis and they based their investigation on Article 8, uh, Paragraph 6 of the IFR. And Article 8, Paragraph 6 is only basically only applicable when uh, there are uh, when there are co-batched costs and you can choose between two companies. And this is not the case on Apple Pay. And the ACM came to the same conclusion. They, they said, well, we don't have a legal basis for this investigation. At least the IFR is not a legal basis and competition law is already covered by, by the European Commission. So we can't go down this route and we close this investigation. But they said, and they always come to some sort of conclusion, they said, well, we should, we should look at the legislation. We should introduce the Digital Markets Act and we should uh, amend the, the PSD2 because we have to we have to look at these anti-competitive concerns that was their view and we should uh, look at the choice between different payments apps so basically it was a very short short story by the acm they started an investigation a few months later they closed it because there was no legal basis and they came they came to the conclusion that uh, that the law should be changed that was the Dutch story so maybe we could go to germany johannes have you have you seen the same in germany yeah, so Germany avoided any kind of investigations by taking the steps you just mentioned, uh, which are now proposed in, in the Netherlands. So the legislator took steps by creating a law to use to, on the use of NFC by PSPs. So this provision has become known as Lex Apple Pay, since it was said that the legislator in particular focused on Apple and the, the iPhone's antenna. However, this was obviously for the reasons you discussed, but the law will, will be applied for all kinds of NFC antennas, not only Apple's. And this law was now introduced in January 2020, so more than one and a half year ago now. So basically, if I understand correctly, the, the German legislator chose to, well, they chose to legislate instead of doing an investigation like the Dutch did. Yeah, that, that's correct. So the Lex Apple Pay is not only a law for Apple, it's designed to be addressed to all kind of digital gatekeepers. So gatekeepers means yeah, providers of technical services infrastructure that may contribute to the provision of payment service and e-money services. The law does not mention that those uh, entities as gatekeepers, but as system enterprises. The legislator wants that um, yeah, those gatekeepers open their infrastructure to PSP and um, yeah, the legislative process makes particular reference to the iPhone's antenna, but yeah, it applies to, to all kind of um, technical infrastructure. So technical infrastructure means more or less all kind of functions on the operating system of a mobile phone that can be used for payment services. As said, the prominent example is NFC, but it may also be related to voice control or use of fingerprint sensors and so on. The law is written in a way that it also applies to, to future use cases, which we cannot imagine today. In relation to NFC, it is said that it should be ensured that access to NFC interfaces is possible, that the necessary software development kit is made available, and that it's possible to emulate cards. For the access requirements, it's not necessary that the infrastructure is already used for payment purposes. So the mere fact that it's suitable for the provision of payment service is sufficient for the right to access. 
This means that uh, in, in, in practice, uh, all payment service providers should be able to use NFC in their mobile banking apps. But there are also some uh, exceptions to those access requirements. For example, if a system enterprise uses a technical infrastructure, which is only used by 10 or less payment service providers, then uh, this requirement does not apply. And the same is true if there are less than 2 million registered users for uh, system enterprises. So this threshold is assessed at group level and not at individual company level, which means that splitting up operations in single legal entities is not possible to avoid this access right. If there is an exit right, the gatekeeper can only uh, also deny the use of the infrastructure for uh, objective reasons, which in particular include um, if there is a concrete risk to the safety and integrity of the technical infrastructure. The system enterprise then bears the burden of proof in this regard. System enterprises should also be able to demonstrate that it had made reasonable efforts to exclude such risks so that the gatekeeper is not able to uh, design the infrastructure by including a, a risk by design to avoid the access right. And one important thing is that uh, the access right is not for free. So uh, the payment service provider needs to pay an appropriate fee to the system enterprise for granting the access. However, there is a big issue. So what exactly does appropriate fee mean? Is it the same fee that pay Apple Pay is currently charging for access? Or is it lower? Or is it even higher? There is no case law or, or any other guidance which can be provided how this uh, yeah, shall be calculated. An important question for any kind of new law is always how is it enforced? And uh, if it's not enforced, what it is worth? So here with CLX Apple Pay, the enforcement lies with the same payment service provider. They can start civil law litigation for damages against the gatekeeper if they are denied access without reason. There's no central authority that's acting as a regulator to watching compliance by the system enterprises. So it's all, all burdens are bared with the payment service providers. Thanks, thanks, Johannes. I mean, this sounds like a great step for, for payment service providers in Germany. Are they, are they already using it or what, what is the state of play right now? Yeah, that's a very good point because uh, it is said that no single payment service provider has made use of the law since it was introduced more than one and a half year ago. The law was um, highly lobbied by German Sparkassen. They want to have an access right. They don't want to use Apple Pay. But shortly after the law was introduced, Sparkassen started to use Apple Pay. So perhaps they reached an agreement that was better than using their own apps on iPhones. And what we do not know is whether the new law supported the negotiations in this regard. The legislator, however, is not happy with this situation. He has created a law to, to, to incentivize payment service providers using their own apps, using their own apps for, for payments on mobile phones, and now nobody is using it and the situation is the same than before. So the legislator decided to make amendments to Lex Apple Pay. Those amendments shall become applicable in March 2022. The most important change is that the system enterprise will no longer be allowed to charge an appropriate fee. This will change to a fee that is limited to the actual cost of access. 
This makes it easier for payment service providers to make use of this law. However, the term actual cost is clearer than appropriate fee, but nevertheless, it's still uh, open to interpretation. So in the legislative process, there were some hints what um, actual costs may include. So it does not mean that the access is for free or for an uneconomical fee to the system enterprise, but yeah, for a fee which may also include development costs uh, to intensivize also system enterprises to continue their development and to foster uh, further technology. So what is also amended in the new law is that the scope of infrastructure which can be accessed increase. The access conditions needs now to be uh, based on a technical standard and it is made clear that it's related to all kinds of end devices. So that does not only mean smartphones, but also smart watches, smart speakers, and so on. And in addition to the old law, there's now a requirement for functional equality. This means that all kinds of hardware components and authentication methods need to be available, like facial recognition, fingerprint sensors, iris scanners, and so on. Also, the enforcement process is slightly amended. So to avoid that any PSP needs to start legal proceedings, they can now call on an expert to review if they are denied access. The review by the expert shall be independent and he shall be able to request information from the system enterprise. He is of course bound by secrecy and shall not disclose those information to the payment service provider or any third party. So we will see those changes coming effective in March next year. And uh, yeah, there are still some months to go with that. However, um, it remains to be seen whether there's any change in the market based on this law or whether this has the same impact as we have seen before. Perfect. Thanks, Johannes. Indeed, it's going to be very uh, interesting to see if the changes will crowd in the market. And from, from my perspective, I'm very curious what, what the European Commission will do because often when, when you see that, that member states are acting on their own, basically, and starting their own legislation, the European Commission is, is getting nervous and they are, they are trying to introduce their own legislation to, to create a, basically a, a legal framework for the whole European Commission and not have separate uh, rules in different countries. So I'm very curious to see what will happen there. So, Johannes and Scott, thanks for your time today. It's very interesting to see the different approaches around this issue. And with further rulings expected over the next few months, I, like many others, will be watching the developments very closely. The Bilderberg team has published a number of articles on the NFC antenna, including the three streams that we talked about today. You can find those on a webpage dedicated to payments on the twobirds.com website. For anyone listening who may have a specific inquiry, please reach out to our international payments team, who are well placed to advise on every aspect of the NFC communication. To our audience, Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please look out for our next podcast about the financial services sector. 